Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Woso Daily. I am Joey, with me back from a weekend retreat is Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing? We're doing well, we're doing well, we're happy to be back. How are you? I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine. Uh, happy uh, when I watched uh, those New Zealand highlights. Your girl Liv McDaniel stood out. I know that we're going to get into this game in just a minute, but I just... While I was watching, I was like, Ryan must be so proud. Yeah, the um, discussion about the best thing you can tell someone is that you're proud of them. I felt that like uh, that applied uh, this morning. Yeah, no, for real, for real. We can uh, jump in chronologically. The first game was uh, kind of a, a nice watchable game for those of us on the East Coast. Columbia played South Korea. When Claire and I were talking yesterday, she had Columbia as her favorite to win this game and that is in the end what happened a 2-0 columbia win both goals coming in the first half the first off a penalty the second off a i mean really one of the worst goalkeeper errors we're gonna have in this tournament hopefully the worst because it was quite unfortunate uh for the south korean keeper but it, it does happen and columbia bags that two goal win over south korea they go second in that group on goal difference uh, to Germany, who uh, smashed Morocco the day before. So, Ryan, first thoughts on this game. I don't think that outside those two goals, the penalty and the error, there was a ton separating these two teams. Uh, no, I think the game state generally favored Colombia. I think as the game wore on, Colombia kind of took the reins and uh, made it theirs. Her talisman, if you will, uh, Linda Caicedo, just put on a show. You mentioned the goalkeeper error. Yeah, bad error. You don't want to do that. But I think the the run deserved a goal. Like, Caicedo made that happen. She split the defense, took a hard shot across the keeper's body, and that's just kind of the, the variance you get when you take chances like that. Yeah, um, and it, it like I said, it was unfortunate, but... No, a great run by Caicedo, a great player, and uh, she she did deserve a goal. Um, I I am interested to hear your takes on, you know, like the Colombian attack because even though, uh, like you said, it was a great run and deserved a goal outside the penalty and what ended up being a goalkeeper error, they weren't able to generate any other goals, even though they had seventeen shots. They definitely looked dominant, like you said, as the game wore on. It was a bit even in the first half, and as the second half, it was really all Colombia. How do you think Colombia is going to be able to generate more goals, especially when they face, you know, a tougher opposition in Germany? Yeah, I think they got a little, uh, a little bit of luck on the goal variance here. Uh, I think FB Ref had it at one point four expected goals, um, so a little bit of luck there. Not, not too much. I mean, they they produced. They they had. I think ten shots inside the uh, inside the box, so they were getting into good chances. I think South Korea generally defended pretty well, which put a lot of pressure on the chances they did have. A lot of scrambling defensively, but they covered well when they had to readjust to the attack. Colombia up next. Who does Colombia have up next? Oh, Germany. Yeah, great. Um, that's gonna be a lot harder. Germany had a little bit of uh, variance luck in their game, but they completely erased Morocco defensively. They put up six goals on two and a half expected goals. So a lot of variance there, but just erased Morocco and the attack entirely. Morocco doesn't have the attacking talent Colombia does, so it'll be more of a challenge. But yeah, they're 
Colombia's got their hands full with their next game. Yeah, and in terms of Germany, they just, like you said, looked suffocating. Uh, really didn't allow Morocco uh, to get any foothold in the game and made it one-way traffic down the other end. Uh, so, yeah, it, Germany's going to be a tough out for Colombia. We'll see what they are able to do. But that was actually the last game of the first round of matches. Colombia wins 2-0. We can move on and talk about your girl, Liv McDaniel, who put on a show in net against New Zealand. 1-0 was the final uh, in favor of the Philippines. Their first ever World Cup win coming just after New Zealand had their first ever World Cup win. It was a magical night for the Philippines and for New Zealand, even though they kind of dominated the run of play and they had a chance with a win to seal their place in the knockouts. This group has just become a lot more interesting because the Philippines were able to pull off that massive upset. Serena Bolden grabbed a a very powerful header goal on the 24th minute, kind of bodied her way between defenders and um, punished it past the keeper. And that was the difference in the game. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the Philippines? And now this group has suddenly become a lot more interesting. Yeah, this group kind of flipped on its head, didn't it, last night? We saw that Philippines has the ability to defend well when they're under pressure. The Switzerland game, they bend and broke a little bit. But I think that may have gotten them ready for this game where they had to sit back for basically the entire second half and absorb pressure. Um, they had a couple chances where they went forward a little bit. They had a, a two or three chances later in the second half on the counter. But I think that first game against Switzerland gave them the reps they needed in high-leverage matches to absorb that pressure and this time get the job done. They got a little luck. They had the offside call go their way this time in the opener the offside call didn't go their way uh, in this game you know a centimeter of a forehead was enough to get the the goal called offside for New Zealand New Zealand hit the bar bounced right to McDaniel's waiting hands so the the luck bounced their way this time again and hey that's that's all you need because especially when we talk about this all the time and tournaments we talk about more specifically in knockouts but in you know small sample size tournaments like this luck is a major factor in determining the winner and in this case it 100 percent was the philippines grabbed the win they grab all three points ryan my only question as it pertains to new zealand is how are they going to rebound from this because you had that crazy win over norway uh, the amazing um, you know, first win in their history, and then you come into this game that you are the favorite, a pretty heavy favorite, and then you lose. So how do you kind of stabilize this and find a way uh, to grab one point or three points against Switzerland, who are leading the group at this point, and find your way into the knockouts? Yeah, I think the group actually leans pretty favorably uh, for New Zealand. I think... Norway and the Philippines provided different kinds of tests for New Zealand. Uh, Norway obviously being the more overpowering favorite they had to resist, but in that game, dominated regardless. And then the Philippines 
were the underdog who sat back and put on a master class in, let's call it clock management. How's that? Switzerland is more on their level, I would say, generally. Similar, I mean, very broadly similar style of play. Stout defensively, you know, effective midfield, talented attackers. I think it actually does bode well their direction. Philippines and New Zealand in the other game at the end of the group stage. At some point, you think Norway has to turn it together, right? Now, there's rumblings of issues in the camp. We saw Hergerberg pulled off right before kickoff for what they're calling a groin injury. There's a lot of speculation that that might not be true, given Norway's history of player issues. I don't have a reason to distrust their account besides their whole history. But you'd think Norway would get it together finally. And if it comes down to that, you just need a point from Switzerland and hope goal differential goes your way. If you get a win, you're through. But a draw might be enough if you're New Zealand against Switzerland, who, again, I think will be playing a style that more matches their pace. Yeah, I, I do agree. Normally four points uh, is that kind of line of demarcation. Most of the time you can get through with three points, or sorry, with four points. Every once in a while you may not be able to. It's certainly interesting. Uh, they're going to be rooting for Philippines and Norway to play to a draw, uh, most certainly, because if Norway wins or if they win big against the Philippines, they could uh, New, New Zealand, that is, could be in trouble with only a draw. So we'll see what happens um, as uh, this group moves into match day three. They have the goal differential edge over both Norway and the Philippines, so draws in both games see them go through. Right, and, and that's 100% why they're going to be rooting for the Philippines to play some of that stellar defense uh, and use that clock management like you were talking about against Norway. And uh, you started to mention it, so we can just go ahead and talk about uh, Norway and Switzerland, who uh, this coming into the group might have been you know, highlighted as maybe kind of the marquee game. Norway was the favorite, but... Uh, they came out, and like we said, uh, Claire and I mentioned it, Graham Hansen had an injury, so she was put on the bench to start. She did end up coming in on 57 minutes. And then Hagerberg, just before kickoff, was pulled. A very, very, very late scratch. Um, and so for this uh, Norway team, the favorites, but then suddenly without their two best attackers, uh, they, they still... I'd say put a lot of pressure on Switzerland and the Switzerland keeper uh, made some nice saves, certainly. But Ryan, I guess my question is Norway without their two best attackers, probably their two best players. How do you think that this team after drawing this game is going to be able to rebound, especially if those two aren't a hundred percent fit for that final game? I think they played well enough this morning to get the result. Again, we prefer that soccer be played on spreadsheets. And on the spreadsheet, they had a 1.5 to 0.9 XG advantage. The better chances in the match did go their way, like you said. That big save off the header in the first half, probably the best chance that either team had. Uh, Graham Hansen had another chance with about 15 minutes to go. But I think they just got a little bit unlucky this guy in this game. In the opener, luck kind of... But they didn't really have much of an attack going forward to get those chances. And then in the second game, whether it was just bad luck 
whether their um, morale in camp isn't great, uh, just the bounces didn't go their way again. You, you'd think in theory that in this third game they'd wake up a little bit more. But, I mean, that's the variance you get in small sample sizes. You, if you don't take your chances, you can't wait for them to come to you. You, you can't just hope the luck bounces your way. Yeah. For Norway, this was the game that, you know, we talked about New Zealand almost kind of taking the game to them and that kind of being a, a flip of what we expected in that first game. This was certainly Norway or a lot of Norway in this game doing that uh, that aggression, taking the game to Switzerland. The Switzerland keeper had to make four saves from inside the box and she was certainly the woman of the match for Switzerland. I guess as we talk about Switzerland and as we talk about this team that you said last time, and I happen to agree that they probably got a little lucky on that 2-0 versus Philippines. They, they, you know, had most of the game under their control, but certainly in terms of the actual chances, weren't able to produce a ton, and that 2-0 kind of favored them in terms of the chances that they were actually able to create. We talk about this front line led by Cernogosevich, and they have some attacking firepower, but they had... The chances haven't really come thick and fast for them. So I'm wondering if you think that there's some something that they're doing that's wrong, something they should correct, or something that they should change heading into a game against New Zealand that even though they're topping the group on four points and a plus two goal differential, with a couple of results flipping against them, they could easily crash out. Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily doing anything wrong outside of the way that they play their game. That's just the way they play the game. Um, I think I called them steady in the opening match preview. All of the Swiss stereotypes you hear about you know, the clocks and their chocolate and their cheese, it's just very professional, very steady, nothing flashy, gets the job done. And that's the way the Swiss women's team play. They're very steady, they're very methodical, very deliberate. And that generally it favors you defensively because you don't make those mistakes generally. But again, you're not pushing the game as much and creating those chances. That's just kind of the way they play their game. They rely on Sorna Grosevich to provide that moment of magic. They rely on Bachman to provide a moment of magic. Reutler, very steady in the midfield. Walty, very steady in the midfield. Mariette's very steady. That's just the the word I keep coming back to with them is steady. And over the course of, you know, a 38-game season uh, in a league table, that favors you, keeps you safe, keeps you out of the relegation zone, keeps you floating around upper mid-table. But in a small sample size like this, that might not be the best way to approach things. You're Obviously, you're going to have... Um, you, you can keep the expected goals against defensively, but in terms of goals scored might not be the way to go. They're sitting on four expected goals with two goals scored, so a little luck going against them. But that's kind of just what happens when you don't push the game. And we saw with uh, Colombia, they they did dominate that game uh, yesterday, but they weren't overwhelming, I would say. They weren't like clearly the better side in every phase. They just pushed the game. And that's something that the Swiss don't necessarily do. So I don't think they're necessarily doing anything wrong. That's just kind of the way they are, like that's their philosophy. And it's gotten them this far, and they're kind of just hoping that's going to get them even farther. They're still sitting top of the group. So, I mean, they're in a good spot, and there's nothing making me say they're doing it wrong. Uh, they're just getting a little bit unlucky, and 
looking down the path. I'm, I'm not sure this is the way to get through a knockout stage. Yeah, I think that's really the point, right? Like, it's worked so far due to the opponents that they've played and kind of the circumstances that they've been given. But throw, I don't know. I forget who they would play. But, like, throw an Australia, even, I mean, hopefully with Australia with Sam Kerr, let's be fair. But And then you you start to get in those Japans, the Germanys. Like, this might not always work, especially as you get to that tougher competition. But it's worked uh, for them so far. I think the real surprise, though, Norway, bottom of the group, on one point, needing certainly a win um, to have even a shot of advancing. Now, they are going to play the Philippines, who I'd say, on paper, are the weakest team in this group, but we will see what they're able to do, and hopefully they're able to get those two star forwards back for them, give them a little bit more of a chance to advance. They're paired with Group C for the knockout stage. So your prize for winning this group is Japan or Switzerland or Spain. Yeah. So in terms of uh, in terms of a prize, there's not not much there. Any Group A team that gets out is in for an absolute treat, and we can just go ahead and talk about Japan. A dominant first game in which they won five zero over Zambia, and now they take on Costa Rica. Don't think much to talk about in this preview, Ryan, other than Japan. Such a solid team. Our friend Greg Velasquez has said on this podcast just how much he loves them and how much he loves their style of play. And if we're being honest, anything other than a three points and probably a resounding three points would be a shock um, for Japan. Yeah, Unfortunately, I don't really have much insightful to say about the Japan-Costa Rica or the Spain-Zambia game, because I think it would be unlikely to expect much different uh, results in these games. If anything, Japan, I think, will be more comfortable against Costa Rica, because of the the two teams at the bottom of that group, um, I think generally Zambia is the more dangerous team. They did absolutely nothing against Spain but I think that's more of a statement on Spain quality as opposed to Zambia's quality. I think Japan got a little lucky in the opener, but I, yeah, to your point, I would be surprised if this were anything but a comfortable multi-goal win. Yeah, and I think that's the same in the other game that you mentioned in Group C. Really a, kind of an unfortunate group for any kind of... Uh, crazy matchups or crazy upsets you know we will get japan spain in the final match day but that'll be almost certainly with both of those teams on uh six points already advanced um into the knockouts and really only playing to see if they play the one or the two uh seed from group a so that'll be fun but as it pertains to this match coming up at 3 30 on the east coast tomorrow spain and zambia i think ryan probably more of the same Anything other than a dominant Spain win would be a surprise. This is a team, like we said, we'll see what kind of Spain we get. And certainly after that first game, uh, I think we, we can see that, at least against you know lower-ranked um, opponents, Spain is going to come out and deliver a convincing result. Yeah, I mean, we saw the effect that uh, Grace China's absence had on Zambia. Wish I had anything more interesting to say, but um, yeah, these games should be, in theory, pretty uneventful. Yeah, more of a chance for those two teams to showcase the quality that they have and make us excited 
for that final uh, match day in which we will get to see a Japan-Spain um, matchup, albeit with probably less stakes than it would have been if it were like the first uh, match in the group stage. The big thing up for grabs in that third group stage game between Japan and Spain is who gets to avoid the United States in the knockout round. Yeah, and everyone, I think someone said it earlier in the pod, it might have been Octane, that United States has kind of gotten lucky in terms of the side that they're on, but certainly having to deal with one of those two teams is going to be really tough. Those are two really, really strong sides. Um, And I'm sure that they don't want to play the United States, but then you'd have to go on the other side and face a ton of tough teams over there too. So I, it's kind of a lose-lose situation because there are so many strong teams in this tournament. We saw Germany and Brazil deliver convincing results as well earlier in the group stage. Uh, We can go ahead and talk about the final game of the day. Canada and Ireland, you mentioned this last time you were on the pod, Ryan, about Ireland and their ability to muddy the waters. Canada came out and drew that opening match against Nigeria. Do you think that Ireland have what it takes to stifle Canada and produce a result that keeps them in contention to advance? I uh, I think the interesting to look out for here in this game from the Canadian perspective is the uh, availability of Khadija Buchanan. She didn't train yesterday. They're hopeful she'll return uh, for the match, but I haven't seen any update since the did not train update. Obviously, Canada, Tara mentioned that their exciting players are on their back line, and she is one of their more exciting players defensively. Um, She's the anchor of that back line, and uh, they said it's an illness. She wasn't available for training, but uh, Canada missing Buchanan is a different Canada defensively. Yeah, so with Buchanan out, do you see any way for Ireland to bag a goal or two and maybe take all three points in this game, or do you still think that that's a tough ask? Um, I think it's a tough ask because, I mean, this this game is going to be won or lost in the midfield. Both of these teams pretty much did what they were expected to do in the opener. I think Canada got a little bit unlucky, but again, they didn't really force the game. And in Ireland, they're not going to have the dynamic attackers that Nigeria had, but they're going to be nastier in the midfield. You know, this is kind of the, the great rock fight off between two of the muddier teams in the tournament. And <laughs> I think regardless of who comes out of this, they're not going to be comfortable going into their third game. They're going to come out of this a little battered, a little bruised. So, I mean, the, the goal is to, if you're if you're Canada, the goal is to just get a point, I think, and try and get ready for your closing game against Australia. Get fully healthy, get ready to go. If you're Ireland, you need to get all three points, I think. So I expect Ireland to muddy it up more than usual and just see what they can pull off against a possibly uh, shortened Canada side. They should be getting Jesse Fleming back for Canada, which will get them a little bit more dynamism in the central midfield. But then again, losing Buchanan kind of negates that that advantage. Yeah, I, I think Ireland, like you said, should really be angling for all three in this game. One keeps them in contention, uh, especially... If Australia beat Canada and they beat Nigeria, then they would be through if they take one point in this game. 
But again, a tough ask uh, to even take one because Canada, like we have talked about, is a very, very strong side regardless of these injuries. Um, so we'll see what they're able to do. Again, one of those uh, stories of the years at Ireland, Columbia friendly being uh, canceled because of uh, over physical nature of the game. So we know that Ireland has the ability to muddy the waters. Uh, we'll, we'll see if they're able to do it. I think one thing that was interesting is seeing the brand of physicality that Colombia brought against South Korea. They didn't play the rock fighty physical style that Ireland does. They were more of, we're just going to bully you on the ball. It wasn't so much a defensive physicality as much as it was an attacking physicality, which I thought was interesting to see. Yeah, I, I saw that too, and... I think it was certainly instructive as to probably what happened behind closed doors there. Um, but I guess we will see Ireland take on, you know, a, a big hitter uh, like Canada and, and see if they're able to bring some of that muddying that they brought against Australia. Because remember, they held Australia uh, to not a ton of chances and a 1-0 result. So we'll see if uh, they're able to do more of the same against Canada tonight and maybe, just maybe, uh, grab a point and keep themselves alive, maybe in contention for the knockouts. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me again today. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to recap all of these games and preview the United States as they take on the Netherlands. That's for tomorrow, though. Thanks for listening to Woso Daily. We'll see you.